church? How are you this morning? This is an awesome day to be alive and living on the face of the earth as a member of the body of Christ, as a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ. Really no greater day. The people who wrote the scriptures actually looked to our day to see exactly what it looked like. We look back and say, wouldn't it be nice to live then? They were looking forward to say, wow, we want to know what it looks like to live in the last days, empowered by the Spirit of God, navigating life led by the Holy Spirit, anointed by the Holy Spirit of God. They talked about our day. There's no greater day to live in than the day that we live in. No better people to be with than the people of God. Amen. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Come on, it's the truth whether you know it or not. There's all kinds of things going on around that you could look at, but when you know that Christ lives in you, that you're a part of the body of Christ, his uh, people on the face of the earth to do what is right, to fulfill and live out righteousness. I mean, there should be a pep to our step, a glide to our stride, a hallelujah to our voice. Amen. Why don't you look at somebody next to you and say, the life of God dwells in me and the life of God dwells in you. Therefore, you have victory in every situation, under every circumstance, and in every place. And your victory releases a fragrance of the knowledge of God everywhere you go. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. Man, it's so good to be with you this morning. Welcome everybody who's joining us online. Welcome Meeker Campus. want to welcome you. Uh, man, I, I'm just excited. We're starting a new series of messages today, and uh, we've been planning on this. I, I really can't uh, fully speak uh, for Pastor Tasha, but we've been looking forward to this. You know, if you'll remember at the beginning of the year, we, we had a couple of scriptures as we were praying that came to us as a local church body. And uh, uh, Pastor Zane uh, um, noted one of those when he came up, you know, that, that he will crown this year with his goodness and our, uh, his paths uh, will drip with abundance but also the 133rd Psalm. And I want to read this really to, to kick off this morning. It says, Behold, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Right now, as we join together, God says it's good and it's pleasant. So we could just get in agreement with God. It's good and pleasant when we come together and we dwell together in unity. Now listen, this is why. It says it is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments. It's talking about the anointing. When brethren dwell together in unity, there's an anointing that comes down onto the body. How can he say that in the New Testament like that? Because Aaron was the priest, and so we are a royal priesthood. And when we come together in unity, there's an anointing just like came upon Aaron. There's an anointing that comes upon the body. In, in verse 3, it says, It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. Now listen to this. For there, for there. He's talking about the place where brethren dwell together in unity. So he's talking about Zion, but he's also talking about Zion is the church. If you go to Hebrews chapter 12, it says we, don't, we, we no longer uh, come to Sinai. We come to Zion, the mountain, that, that the church of the living God. So in reference, he says, listen, there, the church of the living God, there where brethren come to dwell in unity, it's there that the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. 
Say, I wish the blessing of God would come upon me. Well, it's when we come together in unity. There, right here, right now, when we come together in unity, God is commanding blessing. And when God commands the blessing, nobody can undo the blessing that God commands. Right? And so we're just in this place where we begin to understand as God has spoken to us that it becomes more and more important to understand what the the writer in Hebrews said, that in the last days, more and more people will forsake the assembling of themselves together. They won't think that it matters too much, you know, what goes on in the church, right, because I've got other things to do. And it won't really matter because I don't play that big a part. But he says, listen, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some will be, and even more so, not less as we see the last days approaching, but more so. More so as you see evil going on in the world, as you see destruction going on in the world, that's not the day to say, you know what, I don't know what's going on. I got other things to do. I'm too busy. That's the time to come together. Why would we come together and not forsake the assembling of ourselves together? Because God says it's a place where that is good and pleasant. It's a place of his presence. It's a place where the anointing, the endowment of power to go out into that world exists from the Spirit of God. Amen. And so, you know, I was just thinking about those scriptures as we were preparing for this uh, series of messages. And then, you know, a couple weeks ago, and Pastor Tasha just made reference to this, you know, as, as she was, we were listening, we were sitting at the table, some things were being talked about, and it just rose up on her, this time next year, this time next year. And I started thinking, this time next year. God, what about this time next year? And he just, he shared with me, you know, when I turned 15 years old, as many of you, uh, Man, when I turned for 15 years old, you know what this time next year meant. This time next year meant I'm getting a driver's license. This time next year, I'm going to be able to drive a car. So I got excited about this time next year. But in between this time and this time next year, I wasn't going to be able to drive a car unless... I took driver's ed. Unless I got my permit and put in my hours. And so, you know, I was excited about this time next year. So I got into driver's ed. I got my permit. I did my driving. And when I turned 16 years old, I got my driver's license. And it was fun, and I started driving, and I had learned all those things that I needed to learn, but I found out there was a few other things that I needed to learn. And that's how much tickets cost when you go too fast. (laughs) And although it only took me a year from 15 to 16 to prepare to get my license, it took me from about 16 to 30 to figure out how to slow down. And so there's a constant growing, but my point is, is, you know, when we say this time next year, we can sit back and think, well, this time next year, I'm getting my license, you know, and my oldest daughter, Caitlin, was like me. She's like, this time next year, and man, she did what she had to. She got online. She took her driver's ed. She got her, man, she, when she turned 16, she wanted to drive, but my youngest daughter, Carrie, this time next year, I could drive, but I'm not sure I want to. And so this time next year for her, 16 didn't mean she was getting her driver's license. Not that she couldn't, but that she didn't put in the study and the time and the hours to get that license. 
And as we talk about that, you know, even, you know, when I was a junior in high school and, uh, you know, May came and that summer came, this time next year, I'm going to graduate. I'm excited about that. Except from this time this year and this time next year, I better get the grades in all my classes so this time next year. As I talk about that and what God said this time next year for us as a body, what it looks like, and we understand that this time next year, God has a plan. God is working to mature us to come into a place of revival and change and working together. But it won't just happen. He's not going to wave a magic wand. But as we grow and we understand what God is doing in our midst and what he's doing in the earth today, then God is going to grow us to the place that we're ready to get that driver's license. We're ready to to graduate to the next level. We're ready to take on the next thing that is coming our way. And one of the most important things to understand that I believe, really, if we could get grasp a hold of this right now in this time, we think that we know uh, some things about it, but I believe that God wants to really reveal some things to us in this series of messages that will help us prepare and come together uh, really like never before for this time next year. Can you all get on board with that? Praise the Lord. I'm not sure where you all have been. You seem a little sleepy this morning. But maybe that's because I'm just overly excited about this, and you're just normally excited. But maybe by the end, I'll be tapering off, and you'll be firing up. But we have to understand that over the last uh, couple of years, uh, the world and and what the enemy is always trying to do is really by Uh, the world type of thinking get in and creep into the church. Because if we get any type of worldly thinking or ideas into the church, it's not going to work in the church. It's going to begin to break apart uh, how the church operates, how it thinks. And so it's very subtle. It'll creep into areas that, that we, you know, uh, adapt ourselves to very easily. We can put a, an idea on it that this is very scriptural. But when it begins to creep in and, and affect how we relate to one another in the body, then it becomes very destructive and divisive. And Paul said this in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. And just to, to let you all know, uh, the sound booth is really doing their best. Um, I gave them some scriptures and then... Um, For the first part of the message, I just decided to do a different thing. So they're trying to keep up, but I encourage you to get your your notebooks out. Even if they don't get the scripture up, write it down. But he says, most of you know some of these. They won't be so new, but I want you to hear them in the context of what we're saying. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service of worship. In other words, give yourself physically... Uh, to the body. He says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, what is he saying? He's saying, how do we get conformed to this world? By ideas that subtly get planted into our thought life through events that are taking place in the world. Does anybody think that we've had some events take place in the world in the last couple of years. And through those events, we start to develop attitudes and ideas and thoughts that if we're not careful, you know, Dr. Avery Jackson said this, if we're not careful to filter them 
through the word of God, by the spirit of God, they begin to totally affect how we see and how we view things. And so he said, uh, you know, he goes on to really say, understand some things about the grace of God. And he says, through this renewing of your mind, you know what the will of God is as opposed to what the world is doing so we can firmly define that. And so we're going to begin a series of messages on we are the body. We are the body. Now, don't turn me off right away and say, wow, this would be a great time for a vacation. We're going to kick it off this morning. Uh, and then John and Addison Bevere are going to be here, and, and, and you don't want to miss that. That's going to be an awesome time. Men, get signed up if you're not signed up. We're going to have a great time with them. It's going to be life-changing, not only with Addison and John Bevere, but in the morning, Saturday morning, we're going to have some breakout uh, uh, sessions, uh, how to stand tall in your faith as a man, how to stand tall in your family as a man, how to stand tall in prayer uh, we got some great workshops on how you can stand tall, be the man of God in this generation that God's calling you to be. And then John and Addison will add their message. Uh, and it goes along with this because, men, we are members of the body of Christ. And we're essential in the body of Christ for uh, what today uh, brings to the body. And so I encourage you to be here. But then after that, we're going to continue on uh, with this message on the body. And here's why I think it's vitally Important. First Corinthians chapter 11, and we're going to start in verse 27. And so if you haven't read this or you've just read over 1 Corinthians, you may look at it in a different way. But I'm going to share with you, and I, you know, I hope we have a good time with this. We're going to be able to share some analogies that we'll have fun with. But it, I, I believe it's very serious concerning this time next year. I think what we're talking about is going to be very serious. I don't want you to get so serious and go, oh, see, it's always so serious. No, God is full of joy. And when we understand this, we'll talk about some of those things. But listen to this, starting in verse 27. It says, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord in an unworthy, uh, unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh in an unworthy, unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For what reason do we have sickness and weariness and even some death? Because we don't discern the Lord's body. We don't discern the Lord's body. This is how the message translation, I think it's a message translation. Maybe not. Maybe it's the easy to read translation. Uh, yeah, it's the easy to read translation. So, I have a few different translations. I forgot to mark which ones they were. Uh, he says, so if you eat and drink Eat the bread or drink the cup of the Lord in a way that does not fit its meaning. You are sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Before you eat the bread and drink the cup, you should examine your own attitude. If you eat and drink without paying attention to those who are the Lord's body, you are eating and drink, your eating and drinking will cause you to be judged guilty. That is why many in your group are sick and weak and many have died but if we judge ourselves in the right way, then God would not judge 
us. He says, listen, there is sickness, there is weakness, there's weariness because we've not rightly discerned the body of Jesus Christ. Now, some of you are going, ah, oh, it doesn't mean that. It's talking about communion, and uh, it's just talking about whether or not I'm, I'm in sin, and I'll examine myself in sin before I, I take communion. Well, if you read it in context, Paul is talking about them coming together as the church body, the Corinthian church body. And so as we'll talk about this, we understand that there's a universal body of Christ that we are a part of. We're a part of the universal body of Christ. But Paul is writing, when we see 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, when we see Ephesians, when we see Galatians, when we see Colossians, Paul is writing these letters to local churches, local church bodies. When he's talking to the Corinthian church here, he's talking about their coming together as a local church body and discerning the body of Christ and the members of that body of Christ. So he said they were coming together uh, to have dinner together, to have feasts together. They called it love feasts. And it wasn't peace, love, and John Denver. He wasn't talking about a love feast like the 60s. But what he was talking about is in the day that he was writing that, is that they were always separated by class. They were separated by monetary class. They were being separated. And so what we have to understand in the world today is the world, just as always, the enemy is trying to separate us, whether by politics, by class, or by race. He's trying to separate us in our thinking of where we've come from and look at people where they've come from, where they've been, the color of their skin, the, the, the amount of money that they have. And so it's not unique in the history of man. We just have to understand that it's the world's way of thinking and God is different. So when the church was beginning to arise, they called these love feasts, again, not because they were hippies, but because they were Christians, and it didn't matter what class you were, it didn't matter what race you were, it didn't matter where you came from, in Christ Jesus, they all came together. Why did they come together? Because of the love of Jesus Christ for them and what they had for each other. And that's where it all began but Paul is addressing right now, this is where it began, but you are beginning to fall back into your attitudes of we are rich and you are poor, so when you come together and eat, now you've divided the time. Now the rich come first and they get the best, and then the lower class come after that, and Paul said, I do not accept this in you because this is not how you are. And he says, you do that, and then you come to partake of the body and the blood of Jesus, the symbols of communion, and having done that, having separated yourselves, having divided yourselves, who gets what, when they get it, how they get it, instead of how you started. Just let's all come together. Let's share everything in common. Let's eat together. Let's fellowship together. Let's love each other. He said, you've started to divide off, and through all that, then you partake of the symbols of the body and the blood of Jesus. And he said, you've forgotten what the body and the blood is all about. And he said, because of that, what's available within the body, healing, strength, and life is departing from you. 
This is a place of healing, strength, and life. But it depends upon us and our attitude, how we look at it. Not just how we look at ourselves, but how we look at others. This is amazing. I can stand up here. Maybe you can't see across, but I can look at right now. And every Sunday morning, I can be up in here. It thrills my heart because we're here, and I can tell you we have different races, and we have different places that people have come from, and we have different classes economically, but we are here together with one thing in common above all others, and that is Jesus Christ. And there's so many things that we could look at that could divide us and upset us and make us feel this way, but there is one thing that unites us, and it's Jesus Christ. And far above all other things that you might think about, Jesus loves you. And Jesus loves his body. And he says, listen, how could one part of you say you love me and not love another part of the body? He says, it just doesn't work right. But it's a deceptive thing that we look at, that we're thinking about that. And so it's so important that we begin to understand this because there's many who are going, I'm so tired and I'm so weak. I've been dealing with this sickness. What about things that have happened in death? And it's not just like, oh, so I got to... No, we examine ourselves because it's not just you that might be sick because you didn't determine, but we have to understand maybe another facet that if we, the whole body, are not determining how the body works, we could be a problem where someone else is sick and weak because there's a supply that we offer to bring strength and health in the body. Well, I'm not sick, so I must not be doing anything wrong. Wait a minute. We have to discern the body. The body. It's awesome. I mean, when you think about it, it's supernatural that you are here. I know you're thinking already. This is where we got to get past some of this thinking. It's not supernatural. I woke up this morning. I set my alarm. I looked at my calendar, said, I don't have anything better to do. I think I'll go to church. But actually, it's supernatural. It's supernatural that you're sitting in the same room with some people that we're sitting in the same room with. And the only reason that we're sitting here is Christ has done something in you, and he's done something in them. Or something supernatural that you might think, yeah, but I came from a different place than they did. And we, we, we look at that, but that's, it's not viable anymore to think that way. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 14. So most of you in this church, hopefully you know this, verse 17. You know verse 17 through 21 pretty well. But sometimes we don't know what precedes that. Even 17 20 through 21. I was talking to a guy just this weekend. I met him for the first time. He said, where do you pastor? I said, New Creation Church. He said, well, what happened to the old creation? It always interests me when I talk to Christians who, who then you tell them the name of their church, and they get puzzled by why is your church that name? And I'm like, he said, what happened to the old creation? I said, well, that's dead and buried with Christ. We're in new creations. He's like, oh, yeah. Sometimes people think, is that new age or what? No, it's new creation. Second Corinthians 5.17. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, we're new creations. But this is what Paul said leading up to that. He says, for the love of Christ. Somebody say the love of Christ. Come on, he says, the love of Christ compels us. 
Every day when we wake up, the love of Christ should be moving us, compelling us. Because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. Come on, one died for all of you. Not just you and your family, everybody here. No matter where you came from, no matter what you've done, no matter where you failed, no matter where you think you've succeeded, Christ died for you so that we could die to the old man and die to sin. We're all in the same boat. <laughs> you might have thought you floated here in a different boat. But if you got in a different boat other than Christ, you got here the wrong way. We're all in the same boat. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one. Somebody say no one. We regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know, long, we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, everything has become new. And now everything is of God who has reconciled us to himself and given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ Jesus, not holding your sin against you, but reconciling you to God. Therefore, he's made us ambassadors of Jesus Christ, pleading with others, be reconciled to God. He said, so as any man be engrafted into Christ's body, he's a new creation. So nobody, no one here, you may know this. I mean, uh, uh, you know, growing up in this area, it's always amazed me, you know, over the 30 years that we've pastored, you know, we'll uh, you'd just be going through and all of a sudden somebody will come in. I'll meet them. It's like brand new to me. Hey. And all of a sudden somebody comes in. Hey. And they went to high school together. And they're like, wow, I, re I remember going. Oh. And then, you know, inevitably like, wow, I never expected you to be here. And they look back and look at you, you know, with all of your like, hey, I never expected you. Of all the people I hung out with in high school, I never expected you to be saved. <laughs> See how our attitude gets to the thing? And they look back at you and say, ditto. <laughs> huh? Because we're all in the same boat. But he says, listen, we're not looking at you like we looked at you in high school anymore. We're not looking at you from where we know you came from if you're in Christ. Because you're brand new when you come into Christ. And when you come into Christ, you're not that same old person you used to be, just like I'm not that same old person that I used to be. And even more so than that, whoever you used to be, we could have separated that. But now that you are who you are in Christ, we are inevitably and eternally linked together through that person of Jesus Christ that saved us. Like it or not, you are inseparable from the person across the room from you. And you will get to spend eternity with them. 
Might as well start enjoying it now. <laughs> Come on. We just have to understand what we look at. We may think we can separate it, but thank God your body doesn't. So the Holy Spirit had writers, especially the Apostle, the Apostle Paul, write about this importance over and over to local church bodies so that they might understand some things that really God wants us to understand. So Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22, Paul is actually praying for them and speaking about the understanding, their understanding being enlightened concerning these things. And he, it says this of Jesus, he is in charge of it all. Jesus has the final word on everything. This is Ephesians chapter 1, 22, 23 from the Message Bible. It says he has the final word on everything. At the center of all this, Christ rules the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. Come on, we live every day. I love what, what uh, uh, Zane brought out. He said, uh, you know, he, he said, we get so distracted by all the worldly needs and we get off the kingdom of God. But when God is looking at you, the church, he's not like, the world's going on and, and we'll try to take care of you on the side of everything that's going on. That's how the world wants to make you think. That's what the devil wants to make you think. His life is so busy. My focus is on the way the world is going and what's going on. He said, no, don't think that way. You're not peripheral outside on the edge of the world. The world is on the outside edge of the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and he acts, in which he speaks and he acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. The church, the gathering together of those who have received Jesus Christ, the dwelling together, it says in that place, God wants to fill everything with his presence. He wants to fill you with his presence. He wants to refresh you with his presence. So when you go out into the world, there's something about you built up, strong, knowing who you are, who you're connected to, what you belong to, so that others might see the goodness of God in you and begin to work in the hearts of others. He said, we are the ones that he's going to speak through. We are the ones that he's going to bring his presence. You are carriers of the presence of God. And if you recognize that and know that, then everywhere you go, you expect to shine light in the midst of darkness. Come on, we are his body together. You know, I was listening to this when Dr. Avery Jackson was here, and, and I don't think it's a mystery, really, that God began to uh, put the body of Christ there, and then we learn about some things in the body. But if you'll remember, he was talking about how God created us for health with these killer cells. And he said, when there's joy and there's laughter and there's uh, a praise, he said, your body releases these killer cells that attack any sickness or any disease in your body. He said, but when you get depressed and offended and disappointed, those killer cells don't get released 
and sickness attacks your body. Hmm. Hmm. Now, I've been down around just long enough to know in this local church body and others that when we're living together in unity and we're praising God and we're praying and we're happy that all of a sudden when something happens, even if somebody's body is sick, there are cells, there are people in the body that they get in prayer, they just we're not having it. But all of a sudden when our attitude gets different, we're thinking about my gifts, my talents, who thought right about me, what's going on in the world. All of a sudden we're feeling weak and wore out, sick. Paul said it. Why? Because the difference between releasing killer cells from the joy and the peace and the unity of the body. And what happens when there's offense and sadness and upsetness and it's not going my way? The enemy attacks and divides the body. The body of Christ works in so much the same way as the physical body does. We can't afford to be weary and weak and sick as the day is approaching, but this time next year, if we begin to understand and our attitude changes and we take communion together, understanding what the body and the blood not did just for me, but it gets me out of me and what it did for the rest of the body and how we do that. Not just where's my gift going to get its place. Your gift has its place right here. Your gift has its place during praise and worship. It's an attitude. It's not, do I get where I want to be and how does that work? It's understanding, first of all, first of all, what's my attitude towards the body? If I begin to understand that, strength and health, now the discerning of who I am and the gifts in my life begin to develop in the way that God wants them to develop, not in the way that I think that they should develop. And when they start to develop with the care for the body, not just the care for self, the body starts to get really, really healthy. It's one of the things about new birth and having a lot of people come into the the body and, and and, and regenerating and coming in with new birth is they're just like, I'm in it to win it. I, I, I love this. I love these people. I love these people loving me. I love it. They're not thinking about, now, where does my gift fit best? to be noticed. They're just like, I'm glad to be here. How can I help? And they bring such vitality and health to the body. And then as we begin to mature, for some reasons, and I'm speaking about myself with everybody else, we're all learning. We begin to be more self-focused as far as my gift instead of just, where can I help somebody? How can I love somebody? We're going to make the transition for all the people going, ah, here we go, my gift. We'll get to it. We're endeavoring to get to it in the proper order so that we're no longer weak and sickly because Christ never intended for his body to be weak and sickly, but to be so powerful that it could overcome every obstacle that the enemy placed in its way, dramatically affecting communities by being a community, a light, a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. The mark for us to be this 
We are the body of Christ. Turn with me for just a moment. There's a lot of scripture here to read. Y'all know me as we uh, begin to introduce a message. There's just a lot rolling around here that I want to share. But we'll go to this scripture. We have others we'll share in weeks to come. But 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 12. If you, you know, as many of you do, we start verse 12 and Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant of spiritual things. I don't want you to be ignorant of spiritual things. He's just finished talking about their, their love feast being corrupted and, and, and the communion and how they're weak and sickly. And so then he transitions in his letter to say, okay, I don't want you to be ignorant of spiritual things. And right in the middle of spiritual things, he starts to talk about the body. He says, for as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jew or Greek, whether slave or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, am I not of the body? Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he pleased. Somebody say, just as he pleased. Just as he pleased. See, when you got born again, he engrafted you into his body just as he pleased. Just as he pleased. He was happy about it. And if there were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it. That there should be no division or no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members in particular. We are the body of Christ. I just want to give you this one last thing to think about. You know, when I walk in and, you know, if I was to, to walk over, shake Sean's hand, how many of you go, wow, his hand just shook her hand. What an amazing hand to shake. You know, in your mind you would say, Pastor Mark, just shook Pastor Sean's hand. Why? Because this is my hand. You don't refer to the individual, you refer to me. And so what does my right hand and my left foot have in common? My right hand and my right foot, they're far apart. 
They meet sometimes when I need to clip my toenails, wash my feet, whatever. And usually it's my right hand reaching down, not my left foot reaching up. A little less flexibility, more flexibility up here. What does my pancreas have in common with my left hand? They're mine. They're mine. If I went and got a totally body scan and the doctor would be looking at it, it would say on the top of those scans, Mark Bentliff. So it would show this is his right hand. This is his pancreas. This is his left foot. What is it that we all have in common no matter what we're doing? We are his. We are his. Christ's body. So, well, I like that. I'm Christ's body, but I really like, you know, I come here, but I like all this other stuff. Paul addressed that at the very beginning. He said, you, you have immaturity in you because you're here in the church at Corinth, but some of you are saying, but I'd rather be with Apollos, or I'd rather listen to his teaching, and I like this one, and I like that one. And Paul said, quit being divided and understand this. We're not going to argue or be in dissent with Apollos. If you, you have to read it because he looks and he says, we're not divided. One plants, one waters, God gives the increase. But he's instructing them as a father in the faith. He's saying, listen, there's other churches around, but I'm talking to you, the church at Corinth, the local church that I've established. And he said, we're not going to get into dissension with somebody else, but we're also not just going to bring a bunch of different teaching and say, this is better than this. He said, I am your father in the faith. I'm teaching you. Why? Because as we draw together as a local church body, we become maybe the right hand to the whole body, and we become effective when each member of this right hand, this local church body, is in its place, not doing what the left foot should do and saying, I wish I was the left foot. I wish I was better. Why don't we act more like the left foot? No. So we can be who God called us to be. And the enemy tries to create schisms in the body by saying, why can't we be more like them? Instead of saying, here we are. And as we join together, we create a resource of the body to be able from this place to be a resource to affect the world and even the rest of the body. And I know that you all get this, and I'm somewhat preaching to the choir, but this time next year with greater understanding, we're going to pull together and even be a greater resource Listen, if you knew all that goes on here, uh, and some of you do, but we're resourcing into the world, even as John and Addison come, you've resourced much into the world and leaders throughout the world. We're endeavoring with resources to, to uh, our churches in Meeker and Craig and our association with Steamboat <clears throat> to begin to do more to resource the body of Christ. We can do that. There's times financial need, times where exhortation comes, where we can build up where we've been. There's things that we're resourcing the body with. But if we're not, if we're scattered, we can't resource the body. There's other things that we have yet to do in planting churches, but we have to have enough resource to plant churches. We have to have people growing as pastors and leaders to do that. Can't be fragmented. There's much for God to do. And so all this really speaks to our vision. I'll close here. Our vision is every member in their place so that we can see the glory of God, that we might possess the land. First of all, and he knew this, Jesus knew this, if, if the body's scattered, if they don't have the right 
thought process of the body and how the body works to spread out local church bodies, the universal body, how that works. He says, I'll be fragmented. I'll be in dissension. Uh, Each part not considering the other rightly, it causes a dysfunction of his body. And though we won't be able to share all the clarity, I'm just hoping to stir us because, again, this time next year, and where we dwell together in the unity that we are his and he is ours, there is an anointing, an endowment of power that as you go from here, you have a greater power to live. There's a place of health and strength here that as we worship, as we rejoice, as we encourage one another, as we lift one another up, there's health, there's healing, there's vitality and strength. If we allow the enemy to come in and our view of each other to be skewed, there is weakness and weariness and sickness that takes hold. And there's a number of different thoughts and ideas that cause us to be subtly in dissension. But he said, listen, I want you to think about not what could divide you, but the very thing that unites you and makes you my body. It's not you, it's me. Christ said, it's not you, it's me. I unify us because you are members of my body. Just as you look at your hand and your foot, the parts that you don't see, my heart, my pancreas, my liver, my ribs, and they are mine, and unless I decide you need one, you can't have it. And yours are yours. But Christ said, this is my body. And when you have that distinction, you are a member of his body. You have just risen to the highest place in the universe. Come on, you've risen to the highest place in the universe. You are a member of Christ's body. How extraordinary. How blessed we are together to be members of Christ's body. The next few weeks, we may take communion a couple of times. You may opt out based on what I read, you know, first time we take it. I'm not quite there yet. But I hope that as we take communion, we're going to examine ourselves, and more and more we're going to go, I get this. There's something in this for me, but what's in it, in the whole, is he died for all, that all might die, that all, no matter where we came from, what our class is, what our race is, where we are. We're joined in Christ by his love for us and our love for each other. We are his body. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We magnify you, God. Holy Spirit, help us in the weeks to come to communicate this in the way that I know that you put in my heart, that we might grow, that we might totally be encouraged and join ourselves together for what you have for us coming up, that at this time next year, we'll be ready to put the keys in the ignition. We'll have our driver's license to drive in the midst of this revival that you are beginning even now. In a greater measure, we'll drive in that and really know that we have been prepared for that very thing. Thank you for encountering and working in every heart and in every life, God 
to focus on what you're doing right here that will affect many throughout the world, that will affect even churches here that we're associated with because of the resource that comes from this place to begin to affect and encourage and help the body. We thank you for every life, every gift in this place, every heart that's been changed, everyone that you brought into your body. We no longer look at them the way they used to be, but we look at them through the lens of who they are in you, which causes us to be united in Christ. Thank you for bringing that revelation and that light to us, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you stand up with me? Don't forget, next week, the Beveers are going to be here. It's going to be awesome. And then the weeks uh, after that, we're going to really...